find Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, uh, and as you make your way there, I just want to say to the church on behalf of our uh, youth and, and those that work with our youth ministries, uh, thank you for uh, sending our children, our kids, our young men and women to uh, the MOVE conference, and uh, thank you for the challenge that it was to them, and we pray that we'll see much fruit uh, as a result of that. Uh, today we have water, and uh, the bathrooms are working, and to, the, to those who uh, took care of that, uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, also, uh, uh, Ryan and Kelly and their family uh, will be uh, taking a trip, uh, I believe, at the end of this week, and uh, they're going to be going to Hawaii to, uh, uh, you know, be a nurse and uh, take care of the folks over there. And uh, so pray for them. Long flight, uh, lots of kids, lots of baggage to check, and uh, lots of opportunities for things to get lost. So uh, I know they would appreciate your prayers, and they'll be back with us, uh, Lord willing, there uh, in, at the end of May, somewhere around that time. So uh, we love you all, and I know Ryan's not here today or this morning. He may be packing up the camper, or he may be working on the return of the last year's chili cook-off champion. He might be working those ingredients. I don't know. I'm just saying it could be. Um, but anyway, y'all pray for uh, the Lupos. Um, we'll miss them, and uh, we know they'll leave Hawaii better than they found it. So uh, anyway, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to begin there in uh, verse 1. And we'll read uh, through uh, verse 2 so we get the context there. As we jump into the sermon today, new year, new you, right? Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. Thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for the example that you set before us. And Lord, as we enter into this new year, new opportunity, new testing, new mountaintops, new valleys, Lord, help us renew in our hearts and in our souls today a desire to grow in our spiritual walk. We need you, Father. Abide, uh, Lord, let us abide in you as you are present with us. May we honor you with our lives. May you receive the glory and the honor and the praise that is rightly due. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, it is that time of year again, and, and I like practical messages. And uh, today is a, is a practical message in that, you know, it's a new year. And no doubt there are things that 
when we look back over this past year, there are some things that we liked, probably some things that we didn't. Many of us uh, lived through very difficult, trying periods of time, and we're looking forward to uh, new things, perhaps better things, less trying things, but yet there is, we, we, we don't have any assurances about that. We're not the ones that are in control. But as Christian people, we do know who is in control. And we can find great comfort in that, or we should find great comfort in knowing that He is the King of kings, He is the Lord of lords, He is sovereign, and uh, God is ever-present. He is ever-present in every one who, is, who knows that saving faith, saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning as we uh, dive into this, regardless of the New Year resolutions that you make, and we, and we should, uh, you know, there's the popular ones out there, we want to, we wanna, you know, eat better, uh, lose weight, become healthier. Uh, those are all good things because, you know, Christian people, we ought to worry about our temple. Uh, and the scriptures tell us that Physical exercise is good. It's not as profitable as spiritual exercise, but it is profitable. And, and so I understand the idea I want to be healthier. Uh, that's a good thing. Maybe you want to be a, a kinder person, a nicer person, a better friend, uh, some, a better co-worker, uh, someone that, that is understanding maybe. And, you've, and you've really, you want to go at it hard. You want to really take an effort, make an effort, uh, to do those things. I applaud you for that. Those are good. Those are good things. But I want to tell you something. And, and just speaking from experience, but foremost speaking from the Word of God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. And all of these other things will be added to you. If, if you want to make change, in the new year, in those practical ways of being a better co-worker or a nicer person or, or, or having a lifestyle that is more reflective of someone that understands the need to, to take better care of your health so we have quality of life. If, if we want to do those other things, seek the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness first because the agent of change in your life is the Holy Spirit. That's the agent of change. And, and not only is He working on the inward man and, and, and renewing you from the inside, that has a way of working itself out. And if we will take care of the inward man, the spiritual man, do the spiritual hard work, it's going to show up in other areas in your life. And I don't have to write a book for you to buy to know that. There's already been one written. Amen? Uh, so we want to get in tune with just some practical things that we can do to grow spiritually and to get ourselves you know, in the, in the right state, get our affairs in order, get our house in order so that we see these other things taking place in our life that are showing up in places that we work, showing up in our homes and are, are making an impact in very practical ways uh, for the Lord Jesus. So, first of all, we need to acknowledge the reality that regardless of how long you've been a Christian, 
length of that time does not guarantee that you're going to be a mature Christian. That's not the way it works. The, the seniority system, it, it, might, it might work at Procter & Gamble, it might work on the railroad, but it doesn't work in God's economy that way. We have to want to grow. And we have to be committed to the hard things in order to grow. Notice that uh, you know the writer of Hebrews here, which I believe is Paul, he says, Therefore we also, we are, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that ought to encourage us to set aside the things that weigh us down. The busyness of life. Good things that aren't necessarily the best things that weigh us down. Uh, and, and he talks about there laying aside that and sin. That's a snare to us, a trap to us. And we have to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, now, now this shows up the reality in the first world, in this first century of the church. This is a problem there too. Peter says, look, you, you need to move on from the milk of the Word. You need to get some spiritual substance here, some food that will grow you spiritually. In other words, he says you've got to grow up in your salvation. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, I'd love to give you good, hard, spiritual nutrition, but you're not ready for it. You're still babes. The writer of Hebrews there in chapter 5 says you ought to be leaders and teachers by now, but you're not. Regardless of when you became a Christian, time from that point forward is not going to guarantee that you're growing. You've got to run the race with endurance. You've got to be committed to hard things. Just as a child does not become an adult overnight, you and I don't become mature Christians overnight. It is a process. It takes effort God's will for your life and my life is to be a disciple and in the final words that he left the church was for us to go make disciples so God wants us to be a disciple so then we can make disciples hey listen if I'm not a disciple what kind of disciples am I going to make right we are people of influence. And if, and if I don't know how to rightly handle the Word, and if, and if I don't understand the need to grow in my relationship with the Lord, how am I going to make disciples of other people? How am I going to make disciples of the Lord? Now we understand this just in practical terms here. It's not an automatic thing. There's work that is involved. And the church is always going to need people to step up and to teach and to lead. Because life has many different seasons. And, and the ebb and flow in life, there, there, there are moments when we're able to serve, we're equipped to serve, and we're capable of serving. But those times, sometimes uh, through family, raising children, just unexpected things in life, we may have to take a seat for a while. Somebody's got to step up, right? Somebody's got to fulfill that role and responsibility. So we have to take it upon ourselves 
to want to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can then make disciples uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we, I think we understand the significance of that. So practically speaking, what can I do? Now I want you to understand something here. In Hebrews chapter 12, notice in verse 2 it says, we're going we're gonna, to we leave verse 1 with, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay? We get saved, we're on a journey, right? Pilgrims passing through, we want to know the will, the purpose of God in our life, and we want to try to fulfill that purpose and will, that race. Uh, you know, Paul talked about that, bringing our body into subjection, the higher calling of Christ Jesus, you know, that heavenward call. That race that we're running. Now, it says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The finish line. Right? I'm always amazed, you know, uh, when, I mean, I'm not really an Olympic event person, but I still understand that the, the the Olympic event, Summer Olympics, anyway, is the marathon. That's how it all got started, and that's how, that's, that's how it ends. You start in the stadium, and you go run around some city, and then you finish by running one last lap. And you enter that stadium, and there's fans there, there are people cheering you on, and you realize that as you enter that stadium, you're going to make it around there. And when you come around that last turn, you see that finish line. And I'm telling you, which I, I don't run 26 miles. I know Gene does, and he's walking around the building right now. He's on security, and he's walking because that's just Gene. I, I, I don't do that. I can't do that, but there are people who do that. And I'm just telling you that when you get into that last turn and you see the finish line, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's added strength. There's an added breath. There's an added desire because you see the goal. You see the finish line. And, and the writer says, look unto Jesus. Look at his example. The author and the finisher. He's the one who, who, who wrote it, who created it. And he's the one who started it, and he's the one who finished it. He's on the cross. He says, it is finished, right? He finished that purpose, will of God. And he says, look into Jesus. He's the example. And notice what it says. He says that Jesus also was looking to something. He said the joy that was set before him, see? That that there was this joy set before him that made him endure, that made him press on, that made him endure the wrath of those soldiers who peeled the skin and the flesh off of his body who made him endure the despising shame as they ripped his beard and they pressed a crown of thorns into his head. There was something that compelled him to continue forward. Something that compelled him that as he stood before his accusers, he did not utter a word, but willingly took that judgment that was not his. Why? There was joy. There was something he was looking to that was greater than even the cross. And it says that for that joy, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, I want to tell you, Jesus Jesus left glory, and he showed up on planet Earth in the same way that you and I are born, as a little baby. 
and rather than being taken from the hospital in a, in a car seat that's got the little bubble on it so you know it's at the right angle so the kid's not going to be choked before he gets home. I mean, he didn't have that. He was laid in a feeding trough. I mean, poor, humble beginnings. And he, and, and, and he came, left heaven and endured, clothed himself with flesh like us. Endured all of society as we do today. It has not changed. Depravity is depravity. Whether it's first century or 21st century. Sin is sin. Walked among those people, sinful people. And he did that because he knew there was coming a finish. And there was a going to be a time when he would die, he would be raised, and he would ascend back into heaven. Glorified, never to be separated from his father ever again. So much was his work complete that he said, I sat down at the right hand of the Father. I want to tell you, such beautiful picture in that. The high priest, there's no seats for the high priest to sit in. His work's never finished. Never take a break. No relaxing. Because every year there had to be atonement made. There had to be a moment where he entered into the Holy of Holies and with that hyssop he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat for the people of God. And that had to be done on Calvary where Jesus, as the veil was rent in two, he entered into the Holy of Holies and he sprinkled his own blood on behalf of every single person that will ever show up on planet earth, those who live before him and all those who live after him. Every sin we've ever committed, past, present, future, it's all covered in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And he did all of that because there was joy set before him. I want to tell you folks, and you've heard me say it again, and I know I sound like a broken, I would say a broken record, but some of you don't even know what that is. I would, I would say a skipping CD, but some of you don't even know what that is. I don't know. Anyway, the reality is, I mean, look, folks, I mean, heaven is the prize. Heaven's the prize. And when, and when our brothers and sisters leave this earth, they are going home. They are finishing the race. And as much as it is a sad thing and a grieving thing for us, I want to tell you there, there's joy in the heart of God's people because that is the prize. And, and that's where we're all headed. Who know and, and claim that name and know that name. And the blood's have been applied. Hallelujah. He said there was joy that was set before him and therefore he could endure. And you know what? You can endure too. I can endure because there's joy that I set. And the joy is that one day I will be in the presence of the Lord and you will be too. And there will be no departing, no, no, no parting. And there will be no sin in heaven. And I want to tell you, it will be rejoicing. And we're not going to be floating around on a cloud trying to play some instrument, man. We're going to be worshiping God. We're going to be running down a street of gold. I mean, let me tell you, we are going to inhabit heaven. And we're going to know all the fullness of it because God has created it for His saints. Hallelujah. It is the prize. 
So while we're here, and we must endure here, we must occupy until His return. How do we, how do, we do it? How is it that we have these spiritual victories and, and at the same time from inward on its way out, it is perfecting that man and having its work? How do you do it? What is the secret? What is the secret sauce to make it work for a believer in Christ Jesus? To really make it count this side of glory. Folks, it's it's not here. It's right here. And it's always been here. And it's not a new twist. It's the same common Miraculous, supernatural that same miraculous supernatural those disciplines that God has given to his people to become a disciple and to make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ well we got to first of all we gotta know our we gotta know the Bible. We gotta study the Word of God. We gotta know it. It's accessible today in America more than it has ever been any time. And I think sometimes because of, of the fact that it is so accessible, we've lost the uniqueness and the treasure of it. You know what I mean? I was watching some football yesterday. And uh I was intrigued. I mean, you know, look, TCU's an underdog. I don't like Michigan anyway. So whoever's playing Michigan, I'm fine if they get beat to death. So I I was happy that TCU beat them. All right. I was enamored with the Fiesta Bowl trophy. This, This is a football that is coated with little gold nuggets and emeralds and diamonds. It's valued at $1.4 million. Now, I was, I was, and I'm just sitting here thinking now, nobody took that at the, at the ceremony when they presented it to the coach. The coach didn't take it and say, hey, go long, man, and threw the trophy. No, nobody, because they realized that, he's, he thought, man, I, I hope I don't drop this. First time I've ever made it this far in the playoffs, I don't want to drop the trophy. I mean, even Kirby Smart last night, he's holding the tin can with the Chick-fil-A logo on it. I'm thinking, Chick-fil-A, y'all, y'all, listen, y'all got to step game up here, man. That thing ain't valued at a dollar and 40 cent, man. It's a shiny tin can with the Chick-fil-A logo on it. I'm serious, I can make it today. I knew some boys in high school in the sheet metal class that could do that. Tell you, Jamie Gay, he put his cowboy hat on Sunday, he could do wonders with sheet metal. But it was, it, they, they treasured that. And this is a game. They're out there getting their eyes knocked out. They got ice packs wrapped around their shoulders, on their eyes. All this for something that's, it's, it's beautiful. But it's, it's, it's perishable. 
And I don't, I don't think they get to keep it. They just hold on to it for a while and got to give it back. And they're willing to do all of that, and they treasure that. Because not everybody gets to play at the Fiesta Bowl. Not, ever get, not everybody gets to play for that prize. And folks, we need to understand that, again, what God has called us to is something eternal in nature. It's not perishing. It's something that's going to last forever. And we need to understand that as much as we have the Bible in, in our, it's so accessible, it's so accessible, see it as the treasure that it is. Be thankful for that. But we must know the Word of God. We must be diligent about studying the Scripture. And we must understand that all of that Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it. it is, all of it is profitable for doctrine. All of it is profitable for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that we would be what? Equipped. Thoroughly equipped to make disciples among the people that we live with. I mean, in the words of Buddy Davis, the Bible is a gold mine. Where's your pick and shovel? Dig into the Word of God and claim it. Amen? And I'll preach. But seeing this, as I was sharing with the young people this morning, look, you, if you're in Awana, you, you have a book. And as, and as much as we want the memorizations of Scripture, those questions that take you through unlocking that verse, that's the treasure. As I shared with them this morning, you, you can pull anything out of the Bible out of context and run with it. You realize the Lord Jesus said, if you don't hate your mom and dad, you're not fit for the kingdom? That's actually in the Bible. But it's important to read a few verses before and after that so you understand he's talking about priorities here. He's talking about preeminence. And he's talking about the fact that sometimes when we get serious about God, the people that are closest to us may not like it. And he's saying, hey, you've you got to be able to be awkward at the family get-together because they're going to stay up all night and you're going to get home early so you can come to church the next day. Preach! Preach! It's a treasure. It's a treasure. And we have to know it. And, here's the, and, and this goes right into number, the, the second key element here of this new year, new you. We need to know and study the Bible, and we need to be here for corporate worship and fellowship. See, he, Hebrews says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, which some do. And he tells us why exhorting one another and so the much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. The verse before that says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Do you understand? I mean, my goodness, when, when Liberty decided to call me as pastor in March of 2008, Allison and I showed up here, we were in our 30s, and we had no kids. And boy, has our life changed. And over the course of nearly 15 years, Four kids, four adoptions, fostering, all of that ups and the downs and the highs and the lows that go with that. Do you know why we did that? Do you know why we encouraged others to do that? Because you, there were people encouraging us. Because 
there were people stirring up within us love and good works. And that's what God's people do. And that's why it does me no good to create an atmosphere so you can come in, get some goosebumps and leave. That won't do it. It won't do it. It's got to be deeper than that. God called us to, to live in connection and in community. And disciples are made not with a hundred people, but in groups of three and four. I want to tell you, when you and a saint of God, you go to lunch together, or you and a couple of brothers in Christ, you... You're, to, you're together, that's where discipleship takes place. Iron does sharpen iron. And just like the scriptures tell us, we encourage others with the encouragement that we've received. We're not to be out here looking at the lost world saying, help me. Folks, we, <laughs> we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that have walked where I'm walking now. Experience what I'm about to experience. And they've come through. They've made it to the other side. And they can tell me that in the darkness of that, that night, there is a sun going to come up the next morning. Where am I going to get that? Oprah? Dr. Phil? Brother, I'm going to get it right here. And I'm not going to get it from singing a song on the screen that I don't even know and hearing... The, the, the jam session of the day. I'm not in all of that, man. Just give me some truth. Let me sing it. Let me hear it. Let me take it in. I mean, let me let it just nourish my soul. Let me know you. I don't want to check in so I can be the first one out during the invitation. I want to check in. I want to stay connected. And I want to grow. Because that's how it's worked for almost 2,000 years. I'm telling you, if we don't learn that and get back to these basics, it won't last. Because, folks, we've, we've tried this building bigger, greater places and hiring a whole bunch of people. We've done tried this now for a good 30 years. we got more churches than we've ever had, but we got less substantive change than we've ever had. And if we're going to continue to do that, then we're just fulfilling this prophecy of called insanity. Something is amiss. I cannot want you to grow more than you do. You have to want it. And God's given us His Word, and God's given us the fellowship of one another to help me in that area. He's given me, number three, the, the gift of prayer. Of prayer. Do you understand that when we get on our knees in, in the spirit of prayer, we are, are communicating with the sovereign of the universe? Hey, listen. I'm not saying today your problems are not big. I'm not. Whoever's listening online today, wherever you are, you're going to get the podcast later this week, whatever. I'm not telling you that the problems that you're facing are not big. I'm not. But I'm telling you this, they're not bigger than God's. I know that to be for sure. Prayer connects you with a God, with the God that can do anything. 
that makes the impossible possible and has not just the resources, but an abundance, an abundance of resources. Pray with me. James tells us if you lack wisdom, go to God and ask for it. He gives it to all generously. Generously. I hope that encourages you. One final point here, abiding in Christ. John 15 says this, that there in the midst of all that's going on around that cross, before the cross is to take place, Jesus tells them that if they abide in him, they bear much fruit. That word abide, the Greek mano, uh, mano, means to sojourn, or I love this, to be in a continued presence with the Lord. You understand that God is omnipresent, right? God's, God's never away. God resides here. And wherever I go, I, I take him. And he goes with me. He's, he's through the trial. He's through the valley. He's on the mountaintop. He's through the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's through all of it. Because God is living in me as a believer. He's living in you as a believer. And this idea of abiding in Christ is, is, is the simplest way to explain it to me is just walking with Him. Just like if, if you've got, you know, a fa- you know family, your spouse, a, a best friend, someone that you're close to, and, and how you, you have that fellowship and that relationship. That has to happen between us and the Lord. Abiding in Him. And when we abide in Him and when we walk with Him, you know what happens? I, just like I was sharing this morning with our, our younger uh, folks here. I mean, listen, the people that you are around, they're going to have an impact on you. And, and if, I mean, it, you know, to young people, if you're around folks that are going to use coarse language and profanity, guess what you're going to do? You, 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 you're hanging out with, with folks that have a different set of values than you do. And they will, they will rub off on you. You say, well, I want to rub off on them. Well, okay, well, we'll take them to church with you. And you live out, as, as Paul would say to Timothy, let no one despise you because you're young, but be an example. But it's a lot easier for me to lift somebody up on a table than I'm standing on than for them to pull me off of it. And too many times, it's the other way around. Because the Bible tells us that, you know, Bad company or corrupt company will defile you. It will corrupt your godly character. It just does. Abiding in Christ, seeking the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness first, and then these other things will be added unto you. There is, we all have the same amount of time. We do. Everybody's got the same amount of time. It's only 24 hours a day. If you say, well, I, I got less time than you, you mean you're living in a universe that ain't the same as mine? The old marble spinning around out in the middle of nothing. Right? 24 hours makes a circle. 365.5 days. We make it around the sun. That's why we have to throw a leap year in there. Make it all work out right. 
all got the same amount of time. Just what we do with that time. Now, I understand some, you know, somebody might work eight hours, some might work 12, some may sleep six, some may want to sleep 10. I don't know. But you got to eat, got to go to school, got to do all that. But here's what I know, and you know it too. In our culture today, nothing says what is important to America than my checkbook and my calendar. And that's just the simple truth. God gave you and me time. He gave you and me talent. And He's given you and me treasure. And we're to be good stewards of that. And what is important to us, we say, with time and talent and treasure. Look, I know you have the best of intentions this year, but I am telling you, seek to work on that inward man first. Seek to work on the inward man first. And those other things, you won't have to try nearly as hard to make those happen. It'll just happen. We're going to become exactly who we are. In other words, it shows up, doesn't it? Who are you? Do you know him? Have you come to the assurance of faith in Jesus Christ? So, let him have his way in your life. Get out of the way and let Jesus have the reign of your heart. And my friend, he'll do some amazing things if we'll be yielded. Let's pray in faith this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for prayer. God, thank you for the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in Christ here. And thank you, God, today that I am never separated from you. God, help me to just take these simple principles, Lord, and apply them practically in my life. May you receive the glory from a life well lived for your glory and your purposes. And I ask, God, that you will move people today out of our slothfulness, Shake us and stir us, Lord, from mediocrity and help us live with purpose and conviction. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, Pastor Church.